This podcast is dedicated to the memory of David Faraday, Betty Lou Jensen, Darlene Farron, Cecilia Shepard, and Paul Stein, and to Michael Mejot and Brian Hartnell. This is Zodiac Speaking, a classic gunpoint Jamming podcast. I'm your host, Chris Garcia. Welcome to Zodiac Speaking. I'm Christopher J. Garcia. This section is going to look at the conspiracy theories that have popped up around the Zodiac, and not just the typical ones, the Radian theory and so forth, which I will talk about eventually, but now it's about the ones that are more out there, the ultra, as it were. And the first involves a killer named Joe Green. Now, there's a number of theories that revolve around this gentleman who was an artist, apparently. And if you look, you'll have incredible difficulty finding any information on this. But the most notable thing I've found is on last podcast on the left. But more importantly, I found an old, old, old Usenet post years ago, probably 15, 20 years ago, I found it. And it was at least 10 years old by that point. And the theory goes like this, that a man named Joe Green was a Zodiac killer and was doing it for... Well, various reasons, but the most notable was not just that they were crazy, but that they missed their past where they were given the chance to kill without remorse and not only kill, but vivisect. And the idea is that Joe Green was supposed to be Joseph Mengele. Now, there is no good evidence, but the theory is that he was alive well into 2000. I think the photo, there's a pretty well looked at uh, Reddit thread on Conspiratard, which is a name I hate, but that shows photos of him from 1945 into 79 through 2001. And it's interesting that, yeah, he does, the 1974 photo of Dr. Mengele does definitely look like the Zodiac drawing, and later ones actually look even more like some of the other later drawings, the pudgier one, I guess you would say. But it's interesting because... One, Joseph Mengele, of course, Nazi doctor who performed terrible, terrible things, particularly on twins, would use one as the control and one as the experiment. And the theory is that had had a number of facelifts over the years to make him look younger. And 2001, would he be somewhere in his 90s, I think? Yeah, I think in early 80s, late 90s, or early 90s, late 80s, somewhere in there. And he was an SS doctor. Now, the conspiracy theory part of this is interesting. The theory is that the U.S. government was protecting him, even though they know exactly who he was, because he had information that they needed. In essence, it is a far more clandestine version of Operation Paperclip, which was a real conspiracy, was how we brought over Nazi scientists in the late 40s, early 50s, I think even into the 60s. And Operation Paperclip was an important aspect of the American ability to get to space. Because without Werner von Braun, we might have. It would have taken a lot longer. But von Braun definitely had the ability to get us out and to rock it. Now, Mengele's story is fascinating. He did experiments, completely unethical, dangerous, murderous experiments at Auschwitz. And after the war, he fled to Argentina, apparently in July 1949. And he lived in Buenos Aires and apparently was pretty well known. Now, he was taken as a prisoner of war in 1945, but he didn't have the SS blood group tattoo. And that actually helped him because he could get fake papers and change his name. He traveled under the name Fritz Ullmann. And later he became Fritz Hohlmann, making another step removed. And he became a stateless man. And the Red Cross actually helped him get a passport 
under the name Helmut Gregor, which is what let him go to Argentina. He didn't take his wife with him. What's interesting here is that he found Nazi sympathizers in Argentina. There were no end of them in the 1940s and 50s. It wasn't that the Nazis picked Argentina because it was far away. No, there were strong ties between Argentina and Germany. Part of it was that the two countries had very similar governments at the times. Now, he eventually left Argentina and went to Paraguay and Uruguay, I believe, also. He married again, had kids. And the whole time, Mossad was trying to find him. And he even went back to using his real name occasionally. Now, the story goes that in... 1979 or 1978, depending on who you listen to, he drowned. Now, there was an examination of his uh, skeleton. They actually exhumed him in 1986 and determined that it was him. And then in 1992, there was DNA testing. And currently, the skeleton is uh, stored in Sao Paulo, in the Sao Paulo Institute for Forensic Medicine. And it's used as an educational aid, which is kind of weird. What is important to remember is that he was supposedly dead. Died after the murders that the Zodiac committed. And we do have a fairly complete, maybe not day for day, but we knew the broad strokes of where he was up through his death. And Shimon Wiesenthal, a wonderful human being who I managed to meet once and was, he was intense, but he was also funny. It's very interesting. But he placed him in Keith Nose in 1960, in Cairo in 1961, and in Spain in 1971. Now, the... The sighting in Paraguay in 1978 was almost certainly not him, though he had been in Paraguay 18 years earlier. And what they found were a whole bunch of letters that were coded, a coded address book and letters. Now, among those was a letter that did confirm Mengele's death. Here's where it gets interesting. The idea that he could have been in the U.S. is not exceptionally ridiculous. In the pre-computerized world of international travel, it was possible to have a fake identity and just to go around from country to country. We can say almost certainly that Mengele was in... Uh, Carreras, but we can't say for certain. In 1969, he purchased a farmhouse uh, with uh, Stammers, a gentleman who had been a major part of hiding him for decades. But the question is, was he always there? And there were lots of people who were in Argentina who were giving him help. Uh, People like Wolfgang Gerhard, who gave him his identity card when he left for Germany in 1971. We are nearly certain that Mengele was in South America, in 1968, 1969. If the sighting in Spain in 1971 is true, he may have been moving around far more than anyone thought. In fact, Shimon Wiesenthal thought that he was alive as late as 1985, which is when they dug up the bone. Was it possible that the U.S. had brought over Joseph Mengele, set him up with the name Joe Green? Here's where even my most conspiracy-minded thoughts lay on this. No, I don't think it's at all possible didn't have anything they wanted. All the scientists brought over for Operation Paperclip. They had things that America needed. They had the secret of the V2 rocket. They had important technical aspects. I've never determined if they had computational abilities that the rest of the world didn't know about. I kind of doubt it. America was always looking for the bigger booms, not necessarily the better scientific technological advancements. But this took place between 45 and 59, officially. It may have gone on well past then. And this was one of those out there conspiracy theories until the 60s. And 1,600 
people were brought to the United States. And the thing that's interesting is that their patents have brought in over $10 billion. That's an incredible amount for a relatively small number of people in a very specific areas. And of course, some of the names, Dibus, Erhard Ries, Arthur Rudolph, Werner von Braun, Ernst Geisler. These were important, important people to getting us to space. Oscar Holder, also incredibly important. Without these people, we may never have made the moon. We probably would have, honestly. But it would have taken a lot longer. We didn't need Mengele. And what's interesting is in 1951, uh, Walter Schreiber came to the U.S. as a part of Operation Paperclip. And the Boston Globe caught on to it and noted that he had been a part of human experiments done at Ravensbrück, uh, conducted by a nearly Mengele-level monster named Kurt Blower. And he was one of the highest-ranking Nazi scientists. And he immigrated from Argentina with the aid of the U.S. military. There is a conspiracy theory that says that uh, Schreiber was actually Joseph Mengele. I don't buy into it. But overall, what's the point here? Why would you bring in someone like Mengele? And I mean, yes, we did bring in Blum. We brought in Rudolf Brill, another interesting chemist who made some important innovations, and a few physicists, and even a couple of very important people like uh, Heinz Hilton and Hannes Lorsen, who were architects. But they wouldn't have a reason to have Mengele. And it would have been far too hot anyhow. He was Shimon Riesenthal's number one wanted man. If the U.S. government had tried to keep him for themselves, it would not have gone well with Israel. Now, maybe that's the reason why it was kept so quiet. And perhaps he survived until 1979 with the help of the U.S. government. I doubt it. But you never know. But the point is, this entire theory hinges on the idea that the U.S. government wanted Mengele alive, and preferably in the U.S., and that's just ridiculous. Thanks for listening to Zodiac Speaking. We're going to be back with a very strange conspiracy theory next time. I don't know when it's going to be, but it'll be about how the Zodiac may well have been a series by a cult that's hardly known elsewise. So thanks for listening.